Our lesson this evening in the book of Genesis is found in Genesis chapter 41. We'll read the entire chapter so we get the full context. But we'll begin in verse 1 of chapter 41 of the book of Genesis. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then, behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then, behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams. But there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants, and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, and then Pharaoh goes on to repeat the dream, and we'll pick up after the repetition of the details of the dream in verse 24. And the last part of that, Pharaoh said, So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. 
And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years, and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen, and he put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Safnath Paaneah. And he gave him a wife, Asethnath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was thirty years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting for it was immeasurable. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Ashnath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. The famine was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, do. The famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. 
So all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain, because the famine was severe in all lands. Finally, Joseph is experiencing the fulfillment of God's promise to him that was made 13 years before this. We kind of whined and complained a little bit about this seven or eight months enduring of our building project and the transition, probably closer to two years. But Joseph suffered these things for 13 years, and yet now we see God fulfilling his word in full. Let's go to Psalm 105 and verses 16 to 19, where God kind of summarizes Joseph's experience, acknowledging the trials, acknowledging the suffering and the injustices that Joseph suffered, but with a purpose, and that God used those trials, those afflictions, to prepare Joseph for this place. Psalm 105, we'll read verses 16 to 19. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land, that is, God did. He destroyed all the provision of bread. God did that. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. So Joseph's pain and suffering was real. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him, tested Joseph. So here we have very clear understanding that God had a purpose in all of this and that Joseph's trials were real and they, they were unpleasant for him. But God says he used those trials to test him. And the testing is to prove his worth, to prove that he was God's choice, to make him prepared to be useful when he came into that place. What we can, one of the many things that we can take away from Joseph's experience is that God's word will come to pass. If he said it, it will happen. It seldom happens in our time schedule the way we want it, the way we would plan it. But we need to thank God that that is the case because we would mess it up. God sees the end from the beginning. And so with, with that ability to see all things, to know all things, we have to learn to trust him, even when we don't know why. And there are some things we may never know on this side, but we have to trust him. And every now and then we, we see in this life things that make it clear that he's a faithful God and that his word comes to pass, and yet the best is yet to come. And so there are many things that are part of Joseph's experience that will be ours as well, the eternal promises that have been given us. We'll consider a few scriptures that that point to that fact that are very similar to the, the experience and the promises that were made uh, to Joseph. We just have to learn, like Joseph, that in the difficult, unpleasant times to remain faithful. Joseph's testimony did not change. His integrity, his honesty, his godliness didn't change, even though he went through many different changes. First Peter 5, 6-11. This is something that we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ today need to remember, that our faithfulness, our conduct, our words do not change with circumstances, whether they be good or bad, whether they be blessing or trial. 
there needs to be a steadiness, a steadfastness in the way that we live, in the way that we conduct ourselves. In 1 Peter 5, 6-11, we read these words, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That is, his time. We read that Joseph's time came. Our time is coming as well. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. While we wait for that fulfillment, we have to take those cares and anxieties, those questions, we have to throw them at the feet of the Lord, knowing he does care. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The trials that we go through, Satan wants to use those trials to sidetrack us, to defeat us, to discourage us. But God's using that exact same trial, those same circumstances, to test us, to prepare us, to rule and reign with Christ. So we have to decide whose purposes are we going to yield to. Every trial has those, those two purposes. But God is greater than Satan. And if we will surrender our will to the will of God, Satan cannot overthrow God's plans and purposes. Resist him. Resist the devil. Resist his plans and purposes. How? By being steadfast in the faith, no matter what the circumstance. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We often feel like we're the only ones suffering and serving for the Lord, but that's not true. Satan magnifies that lie. But may the God of all grace, the God of all favor, who called us to what? Defeat? Sorrow? Death? Sickness? No, to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Once again, Joseph didn't have these promises written down like we do, these promises of, in the New Testament. And yet, his faith proves that he had this same confidence in, in God that he was steadfast, and he certainly suffered a while, 13 years, but afterwards God established him in the things that God said he would. You stop and think about where Joseph came from, from a dirty, possibly muddy pit that his brother sold him into, and now he's second in command in the most powerful empire in the world at that time. What an exultation that was. Most recently he was a prisoner, and they had to clean him up before they could bring him into the presence of Pharaoh. He was probably looking pretty scruffy with a beard and and probably not super clean. And All right, before you go to Pharaoh, we're going to have to clean you up. Took him from that dungeon and made him second in command in the entire nation. God used this Hebrew slave slash prisoner to confound the wise of the most educated people at the time. The wise men of Egypt, they, their science was very advanced, obviously. There are things they didn't know and things that they got wrong. But for that time, they were some of the most knowledgeable, wise men on the planet. And they could not give Pharaoh the answer that he needed. But this Hebrew slave-slash-prisoner confounded them. No hesitation. God has the answer. God used Joseph as that instrument to confound the wise who, who didn't know. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 to 31. 
The world kind of looks at us who believe the Bible to be God's word and who want to allow that God's instruction to govern our life. They look at us as foolish. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 26 to 31. The world despises us and thinks that we're foolish, naive, because they're so smart with their science and their technology. And, and for us to believe in an all-powerful, invisible God, well, that's just foolishness. Well, that's all right, because we read here in 1 Corinthians one twenty six. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh. And it doesn't say there aren't any. God does save the intellectual once they learn their need of a knowledge of Christ. But there's not many, relatively few, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. You see that all through God's dealing with humanity. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. These things were given to us by the work of Jesus on the cross and our faith in that work, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Our boast is in what God has revealed to us, the knowledge that he has given us, and that knowledge surpasses all of the wisest of this world. We know more of what is real and eternal than the most educated individual in the world that doesn't know Christ. I know who my creator is. I know where I came from. That's something science keeps trying to figure out. Where do we come from? And they get close to the answer. They've already determined that every human individual, their DNA can be tracked back to one mother. Hmm, that sounds familiar. But they still deny the creator and his authority. I know where I I come from. I know why I'm here. Sister Ashley prayed that we would remember why we're here. We know why we're here, don't we? And we do need to be reminded. But we, we know where to go to get that reminder. And I know where I'm going. I know what follows the grave. I know what follows death. And, and, and that's not because I'm so smart or intellectual. It's because God in his grace revealed it to me who I'm not mighty. I'm not strong. I'm not wise, as the world calls wisdom. I'm weak. I'm base. But he's chosen to reveal these truths to me. How blessed we are. And so when we get to feeling sorry for ourselves and when the world mocks us, we have nothing to be ashamed of. We can't boast in ourselves, but we do have a boast. Jesus loved me enough to die on the cross and to show me what God's plan is for me, what the Creator's plan is for me, His creation. I know it because He loved me. Colossians 2, 2 and 3. Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. 
In whom are hidden, how many? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We have access to that knowledge. We have access to that wisdom and that understanding of what God's purpose is for the human race. It's a mystery to the world, but it's a, it's a mystery that is revealed to those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. God let Joseph know what he was about to do through Pharaoh's dreams. And Joseph was given that in interpretation. God was going to send seven years of prosperity and bountiful harvest and then seven years of famine. Why would God reveal that? Why would God do that? It reminds us of the sovereignty of God, that God has a plan. And when you back up and look at the big picture, we've been kind of focusing in on Joseph and his his experience and his faith with so many lessons. But when we back out a little bit and look at the full picture, why was God using Joseph? It was to preserve the descendants of Abraham. For what purpose? To bring in the Savior of the world. He had a plan. Joseph benefited from that plan personally because he believed it, because he believed God. But God sovereignly was able to orchestrate, and all through history, man's history has orchestrated even the very elements of nature for the sole purpose of fulfilling his plan and purpose of redemption from the very beginning. All of history, there's many ways to look at history, and, and it's, uh, it's, history is fascinating, but may we never forget that history is simply the execution of the unfolding of God's plan of redemption for the human race. And so this famine and God revealing it to, to Joseph was all for the purpose of preserving Abraham's descendants in order to bring in the promised Messiah. And the fact that Joseph, a Hebrew, was chosen to have the wisdom to have enough food, not only for the, for the Egyptians, but for all the surrounding area, which now included his family that had to come from Canaan that we'll see. And so this is another partial fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that through Abraham, all the nations would be blessed. All the nations around Egypt were blessed because of Abraham's descendant Joseph. So God's word again being fulfilled. You look at history and even the, we're coming up on the Christmas season and the events that led up to the birth of Christ and how everything just fell in place, that somehow Mary and Joseph ended up in Bethlehem, which they didn't plan on, but God turned the heart of a king to make, for selfish reasons, to make them have to return to Bethlehem, and yet that was God's plan. And he manipulated all these things for Mary and Joseph to be where they needed to be in order to bring in the Savior and to fulfill all of the prophecies concerning the coming of the Savior. The sovereignty of God. That same God is your Father. And He's made all of these promises to us. This is, you know, we're familiar with the Romans 8.28. Lucidell quoted it to me before church. <laughs> all things work together for good. Well, how can that be? Because the almighty, all-wise, all-knowing, sovereign God is my Father. And he's the one who made this promise. And so if something or someone needs to be manipulated to the point that these things are fulfilled in my life, it's going to happen. I don't have to try to figure it out. 
I'm glad I don't because I'd get a headache. I just have to trust him. And I have to cast those cares when I don't understand. Cast those on the Lord and know that he will fulfill his word, just like he did with Joseph. When it says all these things are working together for my good, it's not just a nice saying. It's his word. It's a promise, and it will happen. Some may ask, how can a a devastating seven years famine possibly be the will of God? Why, Why would a loving God allow humans to suffer hunger? The fact is, the human race was already dead in sin, right? They were already in danger of the wrath of God. But it was through this famine that it brought Joseph to the throne, preserved Jacob and his family in order to bring the Savior that would die for the sins of the whole world. It was still God's love for the human race that caused him to bring the seven years of famine. God will always fulfill his word. There are a lot of other lessons here that we want to touch on, so I'm not going to hurry through it. We won't read the chapter again next week, but uh, we'll continue looking at a few lessons here that we can from chapter 41.